the Goat of Popularity Podcast. And welcome back, coppers, to the Cult of Popularity Podcast, the only cult that doesn't have a cover charge. And let's anybody in. That's it. Feel free. Come. Listen. Join us. Follow us. Do it. Getting very culty now. <laughs> uh, what we've got going on this week. So, we have the hats have decided. Uh, we've got the underappreciated TV series, Better Off Ted. Very much so. Um, potentially overrated by me personally movie, A Night of the Roxbury. Very much so, again. <laughs> um, and horror classic video game, Silent Hill. Yeah, that one is definitely a classic. Mm, definitely. You can't dispute if that's, that. Uh, if that's your, your cup of tea. Even if it's not, if you just want to scare the shit out of yourself. <laughs> definitely recommend playing that. Definitely on recommend it. On Pitch a co- Black Dark, yeah. all alone at home. Do it. But we'll get to that one eventually. But let's uh, kick it off with a bit of Better Off Ted. Definitely a TV show... I don't know if it would be before its time, uh, but unfortunately, we're only graced with two seasons. And mate, I actually owe you a massive thank you, because I was not aware of the TV show. And then when we did this episode, I actually started watching it. And I was like, this is actually a really fucking good TV show. It is. It is. It's, it's smart and witty in a lot of ways. There's a bit of thinking man humor in there. Thinking mm. person humor. No, ooh, look Wee. out. Yeah. Don't exclude Rain anyone. Rain it in. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but no, it is, and it's a. It's a, I guess it's really the whole, whole premise is a satirical take on on like big companies and the corporations and the way they do their business and treat their people, really. And I think it yeah. really hits the nail on the head in that respect. Yeah, if anyone that's ever worked in an office or office or for a uh, a big corporation, mm. you, it, it hits home on a lot of points. Oh, it definitely does. The way that you know they try and pass things off or try and past the buck or whatever when things go wrong and everything's us until it's not because it's fucked up and then it's you then it's all you mm. you're on your own sunshine yeah no definitely um yeah definitely gets that 100 percent. i reckon and yeah as you said anyone who has worked in any sort of corporate environment would definitely relate to that oh yeah obviously being satire as well it really turns the volume up on a lot of that stuff oh definitely like some of the stuff they do in the show like in the first first couple of episodes where they freeze phil the yeah, very first episode very yeah. first episode yeah they freeze phil it's like just cryogenically freezing a staff member they also at one point in episode one of the second season try to give him a vasectomy against his will as well <laughs> yeah that's right because they start doing the um the matchup, like who they think who would be genetically compatible, match, yeah, to try and keep healthcare costs down by having that by having them produce children with genetically matching couples, so they would have better genes and not be sick and everything. Yeah, the, no, rip, yeah. no rips in them. That's it, and better genes, no rips in them. Okay. Yeah. Um, and yes, yes, Phil's suggestion is no one. They suggest that he gets a vasectomy instead, which he initially takes as an insult. Because he feels like his family's worthless. And he goes to his family history and feels horrible. And then they get his medical records. The scene where they get his medical records is actually excellent. It's where Veronica... So him and, oh, uh, yes. him and Lem are actually trying to... Having a conversation near the, where the medical sort of department is. Because they're both... Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. Reserved <laughs> reserved to their fate. Resigned to their fate. And there are... Uh, Veronica comes in, who's normally a very sort of cold and robotic sort of mm. character. She goes full crazy psycho alpha mum i guess you would say yeah yeah 
and protective over her, her little uh, underlings. And yeah, it goes batshit crazy at the lady and, and steals the records. To be fair, her motive behind doing that is because Phil is not working efficiently because he's worried about it and she needs him to work efficiently. There is ulterior motive. True. However... Also, also Lem was meant to uh, be offering up his sperm to Veronica because they were a genetic match and <laughs> didn't do that because... Well, he was he was initially reserved from doing that because... Veronica's cold-hearted bitch. Cold-hearted bitch. Didn't think she'd be very maternal. But after seeing her go full lioness, he decides that he's happy to give up his swimmers. Mm. And I guess, yeah, the way they go about it, like going through the second season as well, the character development and everything else come shines through a lot more throughout the second season. Like, first season's good, but in my opinion, the second season was much better. I think because they, they f- go back and they build on the character development you see from the first season. Yeah, there's a lot of continuity as well. Like, it, mm. nothing nothing seems to get forgotten. Yes. Although, I missed a few episodes in the middle of season one because I skipped to season two because you told me it was much better and I needed to catch up before we recorded. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, do they... Because I noticed in season two, Phil stops doing that weird scream thing. Nah, they never, they, he they, just stops doing it. He just stops it. doing yeah, that? Yeah, I think they, okay. just, they just stopped doing They're it. They're just like, this is yeah. fucking annoying. Yeah. Let's shit can mm. that. How good an expression is shit can? <laughs> like, it, it hits the nail on the head so perfectly. <laughs> it's very descriptive. Now, there are some other things I've noticed with uh, Better Off Terror as well. Again, in Season 2, Episode 1, with their, where they've matched up with their genetic counterparts, mm. uh, the lady that Ted gets matched up with, they end up sleeping together. Yes. And right after they've both... Well... We assume both have reached their climax. <laughs> uh, Ted spurts out, I love you. He does. Which he then tries to change to, I love Utah. Oh, that's right. Yes, he goes on the whole thing and starts and making up, like, Indian says he's Native, <laughs> the American, Native American. And that he has, like, starts speaking the language, just speaks nonsense until, yeah. Oh. And then Linda starts exploiting that and making it horrible. But the thing that I noticed, as soon as the first thing that came to my mind as soon as I saw that made me think of the other Ted. Ted Mosby from How I Met Your Mother mm. and his uh, habit, I would say. <laughs> of saying I love you. Of saying I love you way too early in the relationship. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. I, I hadn't even noticed that, but yeah, it was a very good comparison. Uh, just funnily enough that both characters are named Ted. Ted. Theodore. Th- Theodore. Theodore Margaret Crisp. Which is funny because Ted in How I Met Your Mother is Theodore Evelyn yeah, Mosby. Right. So they've, uh, got, they've both got female middle names. Hmm. Inspiration, one way or the other. Yeah. Well, they would have come out around the same time. Yeah, they would have been mm. close to each other. Now, which is the funny thing I found with it uh, by doing, after doing a bit of research, was that it actually received, like, really good critical reviews. Like, it was super well reviewed. It just didn't get the viewership. Yeah, just, yeah, it didn't. Like, the viewership didn't. And even the network that it was on really enjoyed it which is the reason it got the second season in the first place because they liked it and they believed in it as well um and yeah, as you said critical reviews said it was excellent and all critical reviews say first season good second season better as well and they just didn't find the viewership for it at the time which yeah. is disappointing well they even got some high praise being with the, that the characters were actually likened to or compared to those of Arrested Development, which was another big show at the time, mm. with uh, Jason Bateman and yeah, 
a few other really, really good actors in that one there. Great review there as well. I actually found, um, so uh, Victor Fresco, I think, was that his name? Victor, Yeah, Victor Fresco, who was the creator of Better Off Ted. Yeah. He actually had some interesting things to say in regards to it. The, so the, one of the questions that was posed to him was shows like uh, Better Off Ted, Arrested Development, and uh, Anti Richter Controls the Universe, which was another show that Victor Fresco created and was cancelled as well. The question posed to him, those shows and other shows like it, which are smart, fast-paced shows that didn't grab a mass audience, does he think that there isn't an audience for these shows on network television? When he said, well, he does, he's not too sure because he says he looks at other shows, um, like Modern Family, which came out around the same time, and things like that, which are also, which in his opinion, were well-written and that works and well, they spent a lot of money marketing it. People knew about it, premiered with a big number, and as well as shows like Everybody Loves Raymond, which was a smart show, which was intelligently written and not big and silly. Then there are stupid shows that work on television too, so he doesn't think that it could be passed quite that way. He said it basically comes down to a lot of things need to line up and having the right time slot as well, and a commitment to saying, to sticking with something as well. Now, that unfortunately just didn't happen with Better Off Ted. Now, I think we have discussed that previously as well um, when it comes to time slot changes and things like that not being favourable for TV shows such as classic Firefly. Here we fucking go again. <laughs> which was uh, moved around, time slots changed and didn't take off as well as it very well could have done. Uh, but obviously not the only instance of that show as well. I was actually reading a very interesting um, commentary on reason why Futurama got cancelled the other day. Um, And Matt Groening actually said that network executives worked against him on that because they didn't want him to have another successful show like The Simpsons. And they moved it around, changed time slots, split the seasons up and things like that. And just made it very hard for people that were watching it to actually find a Kennedy pattern or continuous time slot to actually be able to watch the show, which then led to the viewership numbers going down and eventually its cancellation on Fox. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's a bit of a dog move. It is, yeah. Apparently, apparently Fox don't really like... They can't not like him anymore because it's no longer Fox. Now owned by Disney. I'm sure they'll love it. Yeah, a lot of comments made directly, like in quotes, directly from Mac Raining in regards to saying that then basically Fox worked against him on Futurama, trying to make sure that... Because they didn't come up with it and it wasn't something that they controlled, that they weren't as big a fans of it. So they didn't want it to work well, which is interesting. It is interesting. Unfortunately, Better Off Ted well, wasn't like that. And they did like it and they did want it to go on and be good. Unfortunately, yeah. they just couldn't couldn't justify it with the viewership numbers it was getting. No, that's exactly right. Although, with Futurama, just touching on that again, it's probably more of a blessing in disguise anyway. Because if it had gone on for too long, you would have found that it would have got probably shitter like The Simpsons did. Like, the, the latest mm-hmm. seasons are so... Well, funny you mention that, because they, did, they made the TV movie specials for that, which yeah. is now classified. Basically, they broke it up into a TV series and broke the movies down to 20 minute episodes made them season five because uh, fox for some, when, yeah yeah i'm doing air quotes <laughs> um because there's a lot of discrete because when fox were airing it they actually split like third and fourth seasons up and ended up airing five seasons even though there were originally only four production seasons of futurama yeah um and so there's a lot of people out there saying it's five there were originally only four um then they made the movie specials the fifth season and then comedy central um picked it up and made another three seasons out of it or right. two seasons sorry Making season six and seven. Strange. They did that, but I guess they were trying to dog him, so... Well, that's it, yeah. They did, they were literally just trying to dog him. And, I mean, with Better Off Ted, I mean, it's the first see, the first episode, the pilot episode, was ABC's lowest-rated comedy debut since 2005. Yeah, wow. What Do you know what that was? Did you uh, get that? I didn't get that. what that one was, unfortunately. Mm. Um, 
It's but. interesting though, because um, I mean, Fresco goes on to say, like after the first season, um, because there was a question of renewal whether it was even going to get renewed after that. They actually asked him whether the network tried to tweak the show at all to try and change it, and he said no, they actually didn't. Because they like the show, they they just let them do what they wanted to do with it, and he said they didn't actually intervene at all um, in ways that you may see other shows get tweaked or changed he said to their credit they didn't introduce uh an int- introduce a lovable neighbor or something the so i'm classic not, sitcom trope yeah so obviously he was taking a bit of a dig there at um i don't know if he's going for something specific there doesn't say i feel like there must have been a specific show he had in mind there where they brought in an, a lovable neighbor to try and home boost ratings you reckon it was home no well you always had wilson though yeah true wilson was never introduced was later on though. um but yeah no he said Maybe unfortunately just Flanders wasn't a character from the very start. No, he was. He wasn't in season one, I don't remember. Yeah, he was. Was he? Yeah, definitely. Go. Yeah, in season one, um, yeah, like Homer's always envious of him. Uh, it was in season one, I'm pretty sure, oh, where he goes, in, he goes out and buys the uh, the cheap RV because Flanders is flashing That's up right. That I'm thinking one. of yeah. the Almond series, but I don't think, I don't think he was on the, actually in the initial sketches from the, uh, right. from the Almond okay. show. Yeah. You know what was a good a sitcom that did have? Oh. Yeah, I guess you call him a lovable neighbour. King of Queens. I didn't watch that much King of Queens. I kind of caught an episode here and there when it was on, but I've never watched that. I had a bit of a crush on uh, Leah Remini. Yeah, right. I can't say her name probably. But yeah. That's not going to go well for you if you ever made her, is it? <laughs> Just call her Leah. First name basis, mate. Um, had some quite good um, actors in it, though, to support them up. Other than Jay Harrington, who I was actually looking into. I wanted, I was, I was, I've never really seen Jay Harrington, who plays Ted, in anything else. He's been a bit of other stuff um, there. Interesting, and I didn't realise this, so there's a British, like, I guess, sitcom, in a way, uh, called Coupling. Right. I've heard of it. Yeah. I probably, I probably told you about it. My sister actually got me onto it um, back when I was in high school. It was uh, quite funny. And- <laughs> <laughs> I just went to adjust my chair and nearly fell through the floor. <laughs> um, you're quite a bit shorter now. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was good. I think there's like three seasons made of it. It was very good. It's based around six friends. Um, lots of sexual innuendo jokes and things like that between them. Had a great go- character called Jeff and it always came up with weird things like the giggle loop and... Yeah. Anyway. Secret listeners? Yes. Yes, secret listeners. Uh-huh. Yeah, the secret listeners. Couldn't take a shit because they might have been secret listeners. And this was the time when uh, they were trying to take British sitcoms and move them onto, you know, transpose them to an American audience and get an American following for them. Um, apparently, he actually got a role in that, and it did very bad. Apparently, it has been slated as being one of the shittest um, attempts to bring a British sitcom over to American audiences. It was so bad. It was meant to have, like, 13 episodes in production for the first season. So, like, um, an American version of that sitcom? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And apparently, they were just, like, straight up taking scripts from the show and moving it over. They only aired so many episodes. They didn't even do the full production of the entire season that they were slated to do the 13 episodes. I think they did like eight. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, and this was funny. And then I think it was NBC, the network that was put on, or BBC Two, where they were duck bearing the American one, apologized and put the British version on. Oh, and, wow. And literally apologized for it. it apparently, it was really, really bad. See, some things like that, like, I think some people either prefer one version of one or the other, mm. with, like the, the British to American sort of mm. mix-ups. I like, I'm very much in the camp of a lot of people, and a lot of people don't really agree with me, but I definitely prefer the UK version of Shameless to the US one. Mm. I don't know if it's to do with which one you watch first, because I always watch the UK one 
I think it was on late at night on like SBS or something like that. And then when I saw the American one, I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? Mm, it's true, I think. Because there's, there's two different humour styles going on there as well. Yeah. And me personally, I find the British style of humour, I guess, a little bit more darker and more satirical than what Americans use in their shows. And I think the only one that's really ever been successful and done better than the British one would be the US version of The Office. Yeah, which is actually really good. Mm. I mean, have you ever seen the pilot episode for the American version of Red Dwarf? No, is it horrible? It is. It's literally pretty much just the... This it is pretty much just the first episode of Red Dwarf, like the original British version. Just but, done with an American style? No, American style. I think um, David Llewellyn, who plays Crichton, he's in it. I'm not too sure why, because he was never in it originally. Yeah. Like, you know, we're going to fuck this up. Let's fuck it up real good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I mean, pretty much it's step for step, the same sort of thing going on. It's just the jokes have changed and that it's not as funny. Yeah, well, that's what I think that's what they did with the, the US version of The Office. Like, the first... I don't know if it's the first and the second season, or if it's just the first season, is pretty much just a remake of the UK version. Mm. And they realised that wasn't really landing, so they switched it up and let it become its own beast. Mm. And then that's when they had more success, because it wasn't trying to copy that. It was trying to be its own It's already been done. Yeah. Anyway, getting a bit off track. We are a bit. Not like that's ever happened before. (laughs) Uh. Um, There was some other things that I found out that were interesting, though. Um... I didn't actually realise this, but Portia de, Portia de Rossi, who plays Veronica, I didn't realise she's actually Australian. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that. Yeah, I didn't realise. And that wasn't her name. That's actually a name that she gave herself. Why uh, not? Why can't you give yourself your own name? Well, I mean, why not at all? I want to change my name. Rachel's dead against it. Is she? Yeah. No, uh, yeah. She was uh, originally born Amanda Lee Rogers from Victoria. Yeah. yeah. I'll probably change my name too. You reckon? Yeah. Mm, then what she she changed her name after she married Ellen. Yeah. Look, I'm not going to take your name, but what I am going to do is give myself a whole new name. <laughs> uh, now the origin of the show was Victor Fresco, the show creator, actually sort of cited it as being a new parent was the inspiration for the show because Ted's a sort of like a single parent in the he's, show. Yeah, he's a single dad. Yeah, yeah, single dad, and he's a kick-ass single dad as well. I'm he like actually dad. is. Like, yeah, he actually is. Like, and I think that's different. Well, you don't say that often. Too often TV shows where they take the single father route as well. So it's always single mother. Yeah, and they don't. They, and if and if they do, they sort of make the single dad look like a bit of a bumbling idiot. Like he's in mm, every True. Head. Yeah, but, that's right. Needs help from other people. And, yeah. Yeah, he kills it. He does. Well, I mean, that's the thing. He's meant to be this. Yeah, this bloke is just great at everything. Because that's one thing I've always done, and I've through research I've figured out what's new. So the show is called Better Off Ted. And I've always wondered, it's like the way that, where the inflection goes, I guess, in how you say it. So you're better off Ted, which is the, the way it's meant to be interpreted. That mm. you're, you're getting better off Ted because it is one of the shows where he breaks the fourth wall and he's always telling you what's going on and the thought process behind what's going on around him and explaining the whole premise of each episode and the, I guess, the moral ambiguity that's going on between the company and himself, which is basically the essence of the show. I like all the fourth wall breaking, though. It's really good. Like, it really helps fuel the episodes. and makes them It does, yeah. It's done in a very well style. It makes them feel really good, like, really organic, mm. I guess. Um, I like the ads... That are in there as well. Yes, I forgot about the ads. Yeah, that's good because they. I found out that apparently they tried to incorporate them. So because they obviously they know when the ad breaks were going to be, so that when they aired on TV, they would actually fit in at the beginning or an end of an ad break. So it would look like they were just part of the actual commercial break in the episode. Yeah. 
So like like the Viridian Dynamics ads will just come up randomly as part of the yeah. So they'll come in obviously at the just before an actual ad break or as, as returning from one. Yeah, and so it'll just look like it was just part of the commercial break still. It's really clever. Mm, it is. I've actually been to Horsham in Victoria as well. Oh, well, there you just go. Randomly. Maybe, no, maybe there's a shrine there to her. I didn't see one. No. Although I only went to the pub. <laughs> fair, fair call. Fair call. Um, I think it was good as well. They actually knew that they were cancelling as well and actually gave some sort of closure in regards to the ending of the series as well. Yeah. I mean... The massive spoiler warning here. You may want to skip forwards a couple of minutes because I'm going to... Not that to... we just haven't spoiled anything else. Oh, but this is... If you want a bit more of a, you know, the closure on the ending, maybe skip forwards a couple of minutes. And that they actually put a bit of closure on between Linda and Ted. Because ever since the first episode, there's always that sort of love relationship. Where sexual tension. There's sexual tension, everything else in the office that Ted didn't want to act on because he'd already used up his one office romance, which was a rule that he imposed on himself. Yeah. Even though he obviously very much liked Linda. Um, you kind of get that closure in the last episode where Linda and Ted just pretty much go, fuck it, let's do this. Let's get it on. Mm. I think there's just a supporting cast around them as well, like Phil, Phil and Lem. Great has, Yeah, they, they were absolutely fantastic. Um, I was looking at Lem. Lem's actually a rapper. A rapper. Yeah, so they don't, he yeah. made a music video. Did you see that? I did see that. He's a, I didn't actually watch the music video. No, I haven't seen it either. Uh, but they, they he didn't make the... So Malcolm Barrett is his real name, mm. uh, plays Lem, goes by the musical name, I guess, uh, Verbal, the performance name, Verbal. <laughs> Verbal. Um, and he made a video, a music video for the song Revenge of the Nerds. Which is his first single. Which is his first single. And it's got like a, a, most of the characters, a major reunion for all the characters of Better Off Ted. Mm. All of them apart from Harrington and Anders who played Ted and Linda actually reprised their character roles as well. And even, yeah. and even Victor Fresco, the creator, was in it. Harrington and Anders actually play a high school jock and a cheerleader, respectively. Not the other way around, because that'd be... <laughs> no, why not, man? Why not? It'd be, it'd be, you know, music videos are all about mm. changing things up. Mm. And so, so I was actually looking, I was wondering if he was in anything else as well. Apparently, he um, starts becoming a series regular in Preacher. Which I started, well, I watched the first season, then just have got back to it since the second and third seasons have been released. Oh, right. I think, I think they made about the fourth season now, so I wouldn't mind getting back into that as well. So that was a good series. Good premise on that one. I thought that was like, is that the one with um, Idris Elba? And I'm like, no, that's Luther. Yeah, no, uh, that's the one with, oh, what's his name? He plays uh, Tony Shark's dad in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, I know the guy. I can't, really, can't think of Yeah, name, and he though. played... Um, did a really good depiction as well of... Um, he played Ian Fleming in, like, the biopic series, um, Fleming, the man who'd become Bond. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, it was really interesting watching about how... Finding out that he actually worked for uh, Secret Ser- British Secret Service, and that's where he got his ideas for yeah. Bond from. Yeah. Hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. And apparently, um, Barrett's song was actually included in the soundtrack for the final episode of Better Off Ted. There you go. Nice little shout-out for him as well. I guess um, shout-outs towards the TV show as well. That it's been included by editorial assistant Anna Hyatt from TV.com in the show's website's list of best TV shows of 2009. And Josh Bell, a writer from About.com, ranked the series second on his list of the best TV comedies of 2010. In 2009, the show was nominated for an Iwi Award for Best Com- Comedy Series. It doesn't seem like a very prestigious No, it award. doesn't. It's almost like a raspberry, isn't it? Yeah, know, a razzy. Uh, yeah, a razzy. I was like, mm, do you want it? Don't you want it? Probably not. Some fun facts I found out about it. Mm. So, at the time of its cancellation, there were actually two episodes that did not get broadcast from season two. Yeah, it's disappointing. And they were going to 
ABC, the network that was that originally aired Better Off Ted, announced in May, it was May 27th, 2010, that it would air the episodes back-to-back if the NBA Finals didn't require a seventh game. However, the Finals did require a seventh <laughs> game, and they never aired the episode. They're available on, on DVD releases and everything else afterwards, though. Clearly, you did end up eventually airing them, though. I don't think they did it back-to-back, though. No. Speaking of DVD releases, though, they actually uh, announced, initially announced they were going to do Season 1 as a Blu-ray release, mm. and then never did, and they've never mentioned it again. <laughs> just just swept that under the rug. <laughs> Hopefully, people forget. Yeah. I think um, I found out as well, Fresco apparently started off with his first stuff job was actually writing for ALF. Stone the Flame and Crows. No, not no, 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 not our Stuart. <laughs> no, that weird looking yeah, alien. The alien. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, he eats that, cats. Yeah. He also he did. He's what? He eats cats. Well, you know, why not? Uh, <laughs> um, did and dinosaurs like as well. Dinosaurs. Fucking love that show. Hmm. Mm. So that's uh that is where he started off. My uh my nephews just started getting into dinosaurs. I gave, mm. him, I gave him um I had four episodes that I had of it, and he watched them and he watched them over and over again. Loved yeah, them. right. So now that I've got the whole season, I'm gonna give him the whole season. So yeah, nice. All of it, so he can actually sit and watch it mm. from start to finish and get a little bit of a little bit of a tear when the uh the meteor comes. <laughs> Hashtag spoilers. Wow. 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 They, did, they really did do a very final ending to that series, oh, yeah. didn't they? That was never coming back. <laughs> it's like, we're not going to touch this again. I don't know if we've mentioned it before or not, but, you know, the the baby, mm. the bloke that does the voice for the baby is also the voice of Elmo? Yeah, right. Yeah, which makes sense if you think about it. Like, you think of the two voices mm. in your head. Well, baby's always what, mama? So not the mama. Not yeah. the mama, that was it, yeah. I knew mama was in there somewhere. <laughs> the dad's like, you say not the mama one more time, I'm going to throw you across the room. Not the mama. He fucking launches the baby across the room. <laughs> you can't do in modern society. Dinosaurs could do that, though. They're allowed to. So from better off Ted to a movie that would have been better off dead. <sighs> oh, that's rough. That is rough. That is really rough. Uh, yeah. So... I could have gone with a movie with nodding heads, but I stand that, by that, my original. That is actually much better. It broke the window again. <laughs> broke the window again. Uh, that's a, it's a fucking funny. Uh, but yes, no, you you did rewatch it uh, coming up to this. I, I did. didn't. I've watched the movie that many times. I could nearly quote the whole thing. From start to finish. Yeah. Um, you said not as... Not as not as good as you remember? Not as good as I remember. It wasn't as funny as I remember it being either. Yeah, okay. But I was a kid when I watched it. Okay, and that's interesting. Because I remember the first time I ever watched it as a child, I thought it was fucking stupid as fuck. And then I watched it again with mates in high school and instant classic. Have loved the movie ever since. Again, there may have been some contributing factors to you in enjoying it there. Somehow. Not, in whichever state I've watched that movie in. I've always laughed out loud. Yeah, I didn't get any. I didn't get any laugh out louds last night. Yeah, right. It's um, that's on you. That is yeah. very much on you. My wife also did not enjoy it. She enjoyed the soundtrack, however. It's a fucking solid. It is a pretty solid soundtrack. soundtrack. A lot of the music I'm not really a big, wasn't a big fan of, uh, back in the day. But Mate, look, we've got a list of the older. soundtrack right here in front of us. Um, number one, obviously, "What Is Love" by Hadaway. I didn't even know fucking that song was in there. Banner. Did, how, I didn't even notice. <laughs> um, 
No, I, I, I love the fact that, 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 that they actually make a nod to the fact that it is so overplayed throughout the movie, though, right at the end. You mean in the elevator? No, so right at the end when they, like, get with the girls and everything else like that, and then the, what is love comes on, and one of the girls turns around and says, oh, I love this song, and they're like, meh, no, nah, bit overplayed, or something like that. I can't remember, exact, I can't remember the exact line, but they do make a nod to the fact that the mo- that song is played the entire way throughout the movie. They're like, yeah, no, it's the elevator when they go when they yeah. go to that guy's office. It's fucking gold. Uh, but no, other than that though, I mean, they've got some great ones like Disco Inferno, uh, by Cindy Lauper, um, the entrance fe- entrance featuring Rod Stewart. Do you think I'm sexy? Love that. Uh, bit of pop music. Do you listen to pop pop music? Be my lover by La Bouche. Yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of uh, really. It's just oh, like- where do you go? Where do you go? Um, Clayton Nightmare by Brainbug. That's an absolute classic 90s dance mix right there. And Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. Classic. Rhythm is a Dancer Mm. by Snap, which was actually re... It was actually remade and covered a couple of years ago now, probably like five years ago. I'm trying to think by which band it was by. It was by... I can't remember. Mm. I think it's great as well that the fact that What Is Love by Hathaway made it onto the music soundtrack twice with a remix version of it as well. Yeah. <laughs> Which is hilarious. Oh, Bastille. Bastille was the, the band that covered... Is it Bastille? Or is it the song? Is that their song? Mate, get your facts straight. Oh, give me a sec. Just give me one sec, actually. So, obviously, this is the, be the second movie now that we've done that has come about as a spin-off from a Saturday Night Live skit as well. Correct. Very much so, this one was not as well-received as the Blues Brothers. No. Still, though, I'm pretty sure this one comes in pretty close to third or fourth as a Saturday Night Live movie spin-off from a skit. As far as, like, success goes? Yeah, yeah. Which um, isn't too bad. But, look, I can understand where people come from in regards to, I guess, not appreciating it. But this, to me, this is just a movie that you can just chuck on and just watch and just laugh at the stupid shit that goes on. Very true. And it was Bastille. All right. All right. Are you happy now? I'm happy now. I'm happy now that I was like... Sometimes I don't trust my own memory, which I should, because my memory is usually pretty bang on. Is that right? If you do say so yourself. If I do say so myself. There were some notable stars in Night at the Roxbury, though. Yeah, definitely. Eva Mendes, who... I think this would be one of her... I'm pretty sure this would be one of her first roles. You reckon? She's very young in it, and it's only a very, very minor role that she's in. She does appear in another Will Ferrell movie later on as well. She's mm-hmm. in The Other Guys. She plays his very attractive wife. <laughs> have you have you seen the other guys? I have, yes. I think I think I've seen it all though. It's got Mark Wahlberg in it, and when yeah. Mark Wahlberg goes around and meets her, he's like, "She's so beautiful. She's like a goddess." And he's like, "She looks like shit right now." Like, okay, go put some proper clothes on. Stuff like that. He's just like really harsh. <laughs> to Has uh, Richard Greco as himself, who went on after the. I mean, he was obviously at this time was probably at his height of fame as far as being in Twenty One Jump Street is his main sort of role there. Him and Johnny. Him and Johnny Dip. Johnny Dip. Johnny Dip. All right then. Uh, start jumping over the pond to uh, <laughs> over the over the little uh, channel there to New Zealand for a sec. He, he went on to obviously do a lot of voice work. He does the voice of Ghost Rider in some of the Marvel cartoons. He's uh, Anthony Tony Dracon in Gargoyles. Fantastic cartoon series. Excellent cartoon series. Get yourself uh, some Disney Plus and check that shit out. Yeah. Not an official sponsor. Not a sponsor However, at all, but I, I do recommend that as a cartoon series to watch. Look, that is a very, very solid story-driven cartoon series. Yeah, it's great. It's actually a really good cartoon series. 
Jennifer Coolridge, who plays the hot cop that uh, better Will known as character ends up better known as Stifler's mom. Classic. You will notice I actually wrote it as M U M, the correct spelling of mum as well. Oh, I did notice that. <laughs> and uh, and Michael Clark Duncan, who plays the bouncer, which is a mm. very fitting role for him because he was a mountain of a man. He really was. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace, Michael Clark Duncan, who obviously went on to do some great work with uh, Green Mile. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also in Talladega Nights with Will Ferrell as well. Yes. Yeah. He's like, don't don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another fucking great Will Ferrell movie. That is, a cl- that is like probably one of his best ones. It, it, it is actually so is. good. Mm. All the characters in that are great. Like even his kids, these little demonic <laughs> yeah. fucking kids. They're so funny. Uh, no, yeah, Tuzzy Knight's definitely some Will Ferrell's best hats? work. If it's not, it definitely needs it, to that, be. If, I'd be very surprised that he's not in the hats. I feel sorry for Michael Clark Duncan's character in Night of the Roxbury though. Because it, like, it, it sets up the, the whole pretense of the fact that Every night they must go to that club and try and get in and just be told no every single time. Yeah, you get over it pretty quick. Yeah. Very patient man with that bouncer was. Yes. Until they get there in with uh, old, old Richard Greco. Patience is usually not a virtue displayed by a lot of bouncers. Some are. Some are very patient men yeah. and women. Uh, this is also Second the reason time why any time that uh, Emilio Estevez is mentioned, we say, Emilio! Although we put a much higher inflection on it than they do in the yeah, but in the movie. I was standing at the phone box and the man before me turned around and he tipped his hat like this. And do you know who that man was? Of course you do. You, you, you called out his name. Emilio Estevez, the mighty duck man himself. I swear to God. I was all like, Emilio. I do love getting out of, busting out a bit of a note. Emilio. It's fucking... We've done that on a lot of episodes. Mm. And Mm. we will continue to do it. Oh, definitely. Strap yourself in, because that that one's here to stay. Mm. It does. It has a lot of... I don't know. I feel like a lot of people are expecting a better storyline stuff when it's just... You're just meant to pay attention to the stupid little shit that they do and the stupid one-liners that they bust out. Like, you know, there's um, Colin Quinn. Colin Quinn. Who plays Dewey. I thought I mentioned him as part of notable people in there. That's my bad. Uh, No, we skipped him. We skipped him. But we've gone back. We've gone back. Um, but he plays Dewey, um, which is uh, the nightclub Mongol. Mogul. Mogul. He, he wasn't from Mongolia. Uh, and Colin Quinn, who was the nightclub Mogul's... Personal, uh, personal assistant. Yeah. Um, who's always been asked whether or not he's just grabbed his ass. Yeah. And no, sir. From where I'm standing, there's a physical impossibility. I do like... I did like the joke at the end. Probably one of the, one of the better jokes in it at the end when they're in the nightclub that he starts up uh, off of their idea mm. which which is with the inside's which, the outside and the outside's the inside that one when his new assistant or his other like his, his replacement assistant assistant comes up to him and he's like Dewey's on the phone from South Beach and he said no sir he did not grab your ass <laughs> <laughs> that I will I will pay that that was actually a pretty that was actually a pretty solid joke no it, it is a good joke I mean there's other like little subtle ones there like when I'm pretty sure what they're going for is when Steve turns to Doug and or maybe the other way around, can't remember which brother's which right at this point. Um, and I'm pretty sure he's meant to say diabolical, but instead he goes diabetic. Yeah, there's just those weird little things like that. Like I got I got mugs with our names on them. 
Yours says Doug. Yeah, I did feel that Will Ferrell's character was a real rip-off of Keanu Reeves' character from Bill and Ted. Yeah, I'm going to say that. I mean, they're meant to be idiot brothers. Well, Bill and Ted aren't exactly brothers. No, they're not, but... Well, they, they are, are, they're they are they're, in the sense that you and I are brothers. All right, settle down. Oh. We're not joining the bloody church, become brothers. Well, why not? That's ridiculous. Church of popularity. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, but that, then, then Bill and Ted are meant to be these two sort of... They're idiots. not idiots, but yeah, you know, mindless. I don't know. Same thing. Nicer wording. I guess. I guess in Australia you'd call them Deros. Yeah, you would. Till they try to take that word away from it. But I can. I can see the comparison. Yeah. Uh, one of the other jokes I, I, I actually enjoyed, which I thought was actually pretty good, was when Steve, which is Will Ferrell's character, calls Doug, and Doug gives that really bad impression of a like a voicemail or like a answering <laughs> machine. And he just like leaves him a message of it as like he's just completely oblivious to the fact that he mm, mm. he's like, brushing him off. Well, there's a lot of subtle jokes in there, and I think yeah, if you're gonna watch the movie, you gotta watch and just appreciate it for the stupid fucking humour that it really is. Yeah, you in know, a lot of ways, it, it I'm aware it's not the best movie going around. It's still one of my favourite all time fucking movies, and I love that movie. But I think in a lot of ways, the cheesiness and corniness of it is what makes it better. Like the room, it's so bad. It's harsh, but yes, (laughs) I I can see where you come from. There, you know what I just realised? We forgot to rate better off Ted. Mm, That is true. Yeah, right. Very good point. Look, we'll do both after. You know what? We'll just do a collective rating. We'll tell you what rating we give all three at the end. At the end, why not? Change it up. Why not? We make the rules here. So there is a bit of controversy that circles the movie as well. Hmm. So, Chris Catan actually came out in his 2019 memoir, which he called Baby Don't Hurt Me, obviously still trying to ride the <laughs> ride, ride the coattails of his <laughs> only real success except for Corky Romano. Hey, you guys want some cookies? It's actually called Baby Don't Hurt Me Stories and Scars from Saturday Night Live. Mm. Uh, he claims that uh, Lorne Michaels, the producer of, well, the producer of Saturday Night Live, he's like the guy that head honcho at Saturday at SNL um, was pressured Chris Catan to have sex with Heckering Lisa Heckering Heckling Heckling sorry pressured him to have sex with her because they want, he wanted her to direct the movie she ended up only producing it but her daughter also came out and whilst they did have a sexual relationship they had, they'd had an affair at one point it was when the film was already shooting mm. so it didn't really tie into didn't back, yeah. Didn't, didn't back fit up the his, timeline of his story. With his story. Um, but he's sort of known for... He's not really that well-received with other people from SNL as well. No, he's not. Um, apparently, he would... Anytime a good-looking woman would come onto the, onto the set to be part of the sketch, uh, one m- notable one was uh, Pamela Anderson. Oh, yeah. Who was obviously huge at the time, in a lot of ways. Uh, when she came on, he would be, or whenever good-looking women would be around, he would be overly flirty and try to write sketches where he his character would make up, make out with them, which I can kind of see where he's coming from, but it's also a little sleazy. And apparently he used to really be, like berate and belittle his co-stars if he wasn't the main star of the sketch. He'd like run them down. And there's a famous story uh, that Jim Brewer does a great job of telling YouTube that if you get a chance. Basically... Norm Macdonald pitched a Twilight Zone sketch. Mm. And if you've ever heard Norm Macdonald speak, he's got a very unique sounding voice. 
and he just used his like really out there voice to just set up the sketches part of like because on a wednesday apparently at snl they run all the sketches by lawn and if he likes them they get a chance to audition them and like actually rehearse them for the actual show on saturday yeah okay and when norm did it he didn't put his whole heart into it he sort of half-assed and just did his normal voice didn't do the voice of the the normal guy from twilight zone Mm. like you know the 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 scary door imagine if you will um, he did his usual Norm McDonald. Ah, imagine if you will. I can't do his voice very well. Um, he sounds like he almost sounds like a nineteen like a nineteen fifties gangster. Yeah, right. So, so it's like, like Al Capone. Yeah, sort of, sort of, but worse. Uh, <laughs> but, but worse. And apparently, Katan was just going at him the whole time. Like, like that's horrible. You don't even sound like the guy. You're doing a really bad job. Blah blah blah. Running him down. It actually got picked up to go on. The Saturday night show, mm. and then even before the show start, before it actually started, Katan was still just going at him flat out, and Norm didn't bite back at all. He was just like smoking a cigarette, you know, doing mm. his thing. And then five seconds before the skit actually went live, he because apparently Katan used to go around saying stuff like constantly bringing up like feeling gay, like he'd be like, you know, like I was watching football over the weekend and it just made me feel really gay. Does anyone else feel like that? And they'd be like weird they'd be like um no but you do you like <laughs> you know that's all cool and norm just uh, like snapped like five ten seconds before the actual show went live and just turned around to everyone and said hey everyone chris is actually gay he's just too much of a bitch to come out of the closet and then just like ran him like ripped into him about like the way he always behaved with the women and everything like that and roasted him and then turned and snapped into the voice perfect for the sketch and nailed it mm. and apparently jim brew was like if you ever find the footage of that sketch just watch me he's like because as soon as it comes on i am losing my shit in the background <laughs> <laughs> that's gold that is really funny though um it's funny there as well because um i mean just to tie it into what we're talking about on on the previous subject, better off Ted, because mm. Chris Catan's actually the one that plays uh, Jed Smosby. Jed Mosley. Jed, yeah, Jed Mosley. You can say it as many different ways as you want. Cause yeah. it, it changes every time. <laughs> um, and at one point, it's like I'm Ted Mosby. Like that time, it was actually me. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Stella is the fucking worst girl that Ted ever dates. Ooh, rough. even even worse than Je- Jeanette, who's fucking crazy and like burns half his shit. Mm. Because she left him at the altar and then she made his life a fucking joke in a movie series. True. It's pretty rough. It is. Actually, it is pretty rough. Anyway, yeah, he does play Jed Mosley. <laughs> I don't remember those. Like, Ted Mosley. That's it. They actually said my name that time. Yeah. Well, we'll actually do a whole episode on How I Met Your Mother. But when he actually snaps at the girl he's dating at the time, and he's like, how crap the character is and how much he hates the movie. They're like, you're being a real Jed Mosley right now. <laughs> yes. That would infuriate me. Oh, no end. wouldn't it? Reception for Night of the Roxby really panned by the critics. Mm. Didn't really receive very good ratings. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a sense of humour. That's okay. I, I mean, which is, again, I don't really go off critic ratings for a lot of things. Mm. Uh, look, they definitely make some valid points. Um, I don't think it's bad as they say say it was. No, they, they sort of ran it down pretty harshly. They did. Although, the... <laughs> this is a comparison. Um... So, I don't know, Todd, do we have it here um, in regards to what Better Off Ted was on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, uh, earned 11% rating. No, that were, that is not the Roxbury. Better um, Off Ted. Yeah, Better Off Ted. Oh, 
What? The first season holds a Metacritic score, apparently, of 68 out of 100. He's pretty good. Um, the second season, doesn't matter, I think the second season has like 82 or something like that. Okay. And don't quote me on that because I can't find the actual figure. 84, sorry, even better. 84. So it was 84 out of 100 on there. Um, doesn't have Rotten Tomato score here. Soz. I will say, you can't really trust the... Uh, I'm not even going to say the good people. You can't even trust the people over at Rotten Tomatoes, though. Because... When Dave Chappelle's Sticks and Stones special came out, mm. they the critic score for that was zero. Zero? Zero. How did he get zero? Because of the humour that he used in, in a lot of it. No, is that how we're going to play this, is it? And then when they released it and made it so that it was available for the public to give their score, it received a 99% score. Yeah, wow. So, can't really trust Rotten Tomatoes. They have an agenda. Probably yeah. not with this, but they do have an agenda. <laughs> Maybe their agenda is they don't like 80s and 90s dance music. That's true. And how can you not like 80s and 90s dance music? If anyone says it's repetitive, fuck you. Do you ever listen to 80s and 90s dance music and, you know, just feel gay? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> At the same time, though, I feel like, even the Bat Creek stuff, Will Ferrell went on to do very well from for this. This was his first movie out of Saturday Night Live. He ended up going on to be very successful um, with movies that followed. Yeah, he even did some sort of somewhat serious ones as well, like mm. Everything Must Go and... Oh, it's not really that serious, but it's more serious than his normal roles. Stranger Than Fiction. Yeah, right. Which is like a story about him being... His whole life, he starts just being narrated. Yeah. And he can hear the narrator. He can, but no one else can. So it's like... So that, that, is, that is actually insanity. Yeah, it's like, Michael is brushing his teeth. It's like, that would drive you nuts. Mm. That, yeah, that would be. It's interesting, yeah, because Ferrell went off to do obviously quite well for himself after this. Catan, not so much. Not so much. Was he in that shitty movie Taxi or whatever it was? Or was that a cab driver or something like that? Or was that Jimmy uh, Jimmy Fallon? It's like... I don't know. Weirdly, you bring that up, because now that you do, they do look oddly similar, don't they? They do look very similar. Yeah. Catan's actually... I'll tell you what, one of the best Saturday Night Live sketches that both of them... I think both of them are in? Yeah, mm. both of them are actually in. The More Cowbell sketch. From Saturday Night Live, yes. which also in- includes mm. Will Ferrell mm. and the great Christopher Walken. Yeah, Dude, that is actually a great sketch. It's yeah. a banger mm. of a sketch. But look, Mother Rockery, maybe it's not for everyone. I certainly think it's good to chuck on and just mindlessly laugh at because of just how ridiculous it is. I will, I will give you this. Everyone should watch it at least once. You should. For, for two reasons. One, to form their own opinion. And two, because it's, it is, whether, you know, whether you love it or you hate it, it's a part of pop culture. It's like Vegemite. Some people love it. Some people hate it. There's no in-between. Yeah, generally you're Australian or you're not Australian. In the yeah, that, 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 on the second one, that, that's how it is. <laughs> if you can't eat Vegemite an inch thick on your toast, then maybe you're living in the wrong country. <laughs> <laughs> but as scary as that may be, let's move on to Silent Hill. Nice segue. Good work, Joshua. Oh, you know, I'm getting there. I think I'm, I'm picking up how to do it. Look, we should actually get segues. No, no. We can ride around at work. No. Um, There's ramps. As much as I would love to have a Segway. You feel like you'd ax yourself pretty badly? Uh, more, more than likely. And just, I'll I have, ride it drunk I have and absolutely no up. need for one. That's true. You know what we do need? We need an ice bucket in here. That's actually not a bad idea. Um, that's a good point. Because the beers are getting warm. They are getting warm. That's your fault for buying fucking massive cans. You should just drink them faster. <laughs> But Silent Hill, absolutely... Go on, say it. It's an iconic game series. It is. <laughs> I, I was trying to think of another word to use, 
Trailblazing. There you go. Oh, mate. Yeah, what? 1999. Yeah, I guess. I think of a game earlier than that, which were really went for the whole... Oh, Resident Evil. Nah, Resident Evil would have come out first. But not, I don't think the whole purpose of Resident Evil was to scare the absolute fucking shit out of you like Silent Hill did. Yeah, because Silent Hill was fucked up. Mm. And, there, and actually, like, there's, there's a lot more games in the series than, than I realised. Yeah, there are quite a lot. There's a mobile game. I'm going to download that. Okay. So, Silent Hill 1 came out in 99. Mm. Then there was a play novel, uh, Silent Hill. It's called Silent Hill. In 2001, Silent Hill 2 came out in 2001 as well, which was the one, the main one from the series I remember playing. Hmm. And there's a lot of puzzles in that one as well, which I really like. I like puzzles in games. Sometimes they infuriate me to the point where I'm like, fuck this, I'm not playing it. And then I come back ages later and I'm like, now I've got to yeah, this puzzle okay. again. Apparently, play novel Silent Hill was um, a radically altered version of Silent Hill, which was released for the Game Boy Advance. There you go. And it was released only in Japan in 2001. It's a game book style visual novel. Okay. Only in Japan, I guess. <laughs> it, it does sound pretty shit. It, it contains a retelling of Silent Hill's story through text-based gameplay, with the player occasionally confronted with questions concerning what direction to take the character, as well as the puzzle. So it sounds like, um, fuck, that, yeah, old text-based games. You ever played a text? Yeah. yeah. Probably not as scary. No, definitely wouldn't be as scary as actually going around and exploring things. All of the games, except for Shattered Memories, are actually set in the fictional town of Silent Hill. Mm-hmm. So you roam around. Usually, you know, it's really foggy. Yeah, I remember and that. And you can't yeah. see shit. There's actually an excellent meme of a guy that lives in this town where they get, like, a lot of fog at certain times of the year. And so he makes, a, makes it his mission once a year to dress up as Pyramid Head with a massive sword and just stand in the middle of the road. You do you. I would literally shit my pants if I saw that. I'd be like, fuck, I've played this game before. I've played Knifey Spoonie before. I know how this ends. <laughs> it's a rural American town of Silent Hill, actually. Yeah, I was looking at that before, right. saying, um, like, whereabouts it's... Meant to be. Oh, well, yeah, what provide inspiration for it. There's a couple of different count- towns. Because then, obviously, you've got the movie as well, and they used a different town for that as inspiration and everything else. Basically, any town that gets a lot of sh- fucking fog, eh? That's it. And then you actually, <laughs> the you actually character goes through dark alterations of reality, which is called the other world, uh, where the physical laws don't really exist, uh, which is pretty pretty freaky. And Pyramid Head is obviously the main sort of boss, I guess, mm. in a lot of the games. And it was interesting in the second one. In the second one, and he will mm. fuck you up if you get too close to him. Nice. Turns so out well, actually, wait, so, what, 99? When was PS2 released? That's a very good question. I'm pretty sure it was the first one was on PS1. Yes, yeah, first one's definitely on PlayStation 1. That's where I... That's the only one I've played. I remember playing as a child and quickly giving up on it because uh, it scared the fucking shit out of me. Yeah, it's pretty fucking To be fair, yeah. I was like... I would have been like, what, 8, 9, 10? No, well, nine, 99. 99, you quick mass. I would have been 10. <laughs> uh, probably 10 or 11 then. Uh, by the time I actually got my hands on it. But, yeah, I... Nah, especially considering I was playing in my bedroom. I'd probably play it at night as well. Um, I think I actually deliberately tried playing it once at night and I freaked the fuck out and had to turn it off and play something a lot more fun like Spyro or something because that was fucking scary as fuck. Yeah, I don't blame you. I think Silent Hill 2 is probably the one that most people would be drawn to or would remember. Uh, it was, yeah, really 
was really fucked up. Like, there was so much crazy shit going on in it. But I remember playing through that one where you play as James, or James Sunderland, I think his real name is, basically trying to find... You're looking for your wife. Most of was released in 2000. There you go. Received a letter from his, his wife, basically, who had died of an illness years before... Uh, so he's not looking for it. He's just going to explore the town, and he tries to tries to find it. You're talking about the second one or the second first one? one? Second yeah, because I, I was thinking the first one, your daughter's gone missing and looking for her. No, so in the first one, he, he's um, after apparently receiving a letter. So he goes and looks around, and he searches for, basically searches through the city, you just go through everything, and go through all the details, and find out, finds out, you'll find out, depending on how you play the game, you actually find out that James actually killed his wife. And... Classic. It was a bit fucked. Or... You get the other ending where Myra, the dog, who's a recurring character in the series, is a bit of a fucking little joke in amongst all the darkness. Hmm. The dog's actually controlling everything and it's all like a massive hoax. Yeah, right. It's just like a massive fuck you at yeah, the cool. end. Yeah, cool. So what, there's actually two older endings for yeah. it. Depending, yeah, right. Depending That's on interesting. I was just trying to think, though, that uh, the old, I'm the one that killed my wife, can't remember it. That's been used a few times in some different movies. I was trying to think of some specific ones there that was done in. Thinking, was it, um, what's one, mm. Christ, Christian Bale, um, mechanic, is that it? The machinist. The, yeah, yeah, or the machinist. Where he's, he's super disgustingly yeah, skinny. Yeah, disgustingly skinny, yeah. Yeah. And well, that was the whole premise of that, wasn't it? Hadn't he accidentally killed, or you, no, he killed someone, he like hit them, or yeah. maybe it wasn't his wife, but he Memento. Yeah. I think Memento's another movie where main character finds out that it was actually him that did it at the end, mm. which is, uh, even, even Heavy Rain, depending on how you play through that. Yep. The detective in that that's helping and, um, you find who killed your son actually is the one that killed him. And uh, what's it? One with Leo on the Bloody Island. Shutter Island. Shutter Island. Yeah. yeah. Picked the plot for that one pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was uh. Yeah, that wasn't much of a uh, much of a mindfuck at all, really. No. I tell you what was an actually probably underrated game in the series though is Silent Hill: Shattered Memories. Yeah. So I I got that on the Wii. That's what mm. the, the console was released on, and it was. Yeah, it was crazy. Like, you go through and you had all these different... That's the one you said was set in a different town, is that right? Yeah, well, you set... could, It wasn't set in a different town, but you could go to, like... You could travel further than just the town, is that right? Yeah, so you go out and go through all different things. But you're actually... Uh, in the first section, you're actually interacting with, like, a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist, a therapist, going through different tests. And so it asks you, like, colour in a house. And I think you even do, like, the, the blotch test and... yeah all of that sort of stuff. And depending on the answers that you actually give there changes the rest of the game. So That's actually really cool. It is really cool. Uh, so you fill in questionnaires, you do psychiatric, psychological tests, sorry. And then it actually alters the aspects of the gameplay in the second setting. So basically it alters what areas are available to you. Mm-hmm. So if you shy away from certain things, it'll make those areas shut off, like you've shut those parts of your brain off. Yeah, right. Even like the physical behavior, physical appearance and behavior of characters and monsters and things like that will change depending on how you answered certain questions. That's actually really fucking cool. That actually, that actually cool. makes me want to go out and get a copy of that somehow. Uh, apparently, it was a Wii exclusive, so it sounds like I'm never going to get to play it. Do you own a Wii at all? No. I think I might no. still have it for my Wii at home. So you have to come over one night and we'll have a few beers and play it in the dark and see how fucked up and scary we can get it. Just that proposition scares me a little bit, but okay. Promise I won't roofie you drink this time. This time. This. That's what you said last time. I'm a habitual liar. <laughs> but yeah, you basically use a smartphone and a torch. I'm not going to say flashlight. The flashlight's everywhere all over the thing, but it's torch. It's flashlight? Not flashlight. 
can't kill my... Well, you, you could probably could kill a monster with a Mate, flashlight. was it? Lockstock, two smoking barrels? You'd have to slow him down a little bit anyway. What was it? It was Lockstock? Next thing you know, Harry's reached over the de- desk and beat him to death with a fucking 12-inch rubber dildo. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's Lockstock. Like, it's either Lockstock or Snatch. It's hard because they, they're very similar. They are, aren't they? So you use the actual smartphone for like GPS and finding your way around, take photos, make phone calls. But it's also got like a thing in it where... Can you call triple zero and oh, probably 911 in their case? Cause it's and in call for help. No, so you can go around and just... Well, that'd be the fucking smart thing to do. So there's like your usual sort of like wandering, just evil fuckers. Mm-hmm. But then the game eventually shifts every now and again to a dimension called Nightmare, where everything goes super icy and frozen, and the enemies become super fucking hostile, and they chase you like nothing else. And you've got oh, to fun. you've got to run like a motherfucker, which is if you've ever fucked someone's mother, you've got to run pretty fast afterwards. <laughs> uh, yeah. So basically, the whole plot of the thing is you're meant to be looking for your daughter Cheryl. She was in Silent Hill originally, and then goes missing so you start going through and trying to find different you know clues and things like that the wiimote actually makes you i don't know if you had much experience with the wii but on the wiimotes they had the little speaker in them similar to dualshock 4 does dualshock 4 yeah. does and you get sound through that sometimes for games so you go through you go close to certain things and you start getting feedback mm. like it'd start crackling and making noise and shit like that and, and it'd make noises when you knew like monsters were about to get like right up in your shit mm-hmm. and it was freaky because you'd be walking along and it'd be dark and then you'd hear something and you wouldn't you'd, you'd torch and only be able to see a certain amount and you wouldn't know which direction it was coming from and it was fucking freaky as yeah um, right and you'd so you'd use that to, to do that but in like in the actual game so you meet you can meet a police officer named Sybil Bennett uh, she tries to take you to the police station uh, however her car crashes and gets stuck in a blizzard just the first game no this is still Shattered Memories yeah okay it's very similar. Something similar it's very similar to the first one, game. Yeah. In the first game, you, you, can't, you, can't crash. Yeah. you actually find a character named... So you meet a woman named Michelle Valdez, and that you find out from her that a Cheryl Mason attended school previously, but then moved. She offers to help you find Cheryl at a new address. Michelle gets replaced by a person named Dahlia Mason, which makes the whole game even more fucking confusing. She basically leads you off down this, this other track and... Off the beaten path. Off the beaten say. path, basically. And then you end up at Cheryl's play, Cheryl's house. Dahlia claims then to be your wife, which is really weird. Another and way to describe it, it's just weird. It is just fucking weird. You basically end up, you find you find the lighthouse. So the lighthouse is the name of Kaufman, your therapist. You, you, everything seems to come back to this lighthouse. Mm. And you find out the lighthouse is actually in the name of Dr. Kaufman, your therapist counselling clinic. So when you get there, when it's, so you're actually a patient in a session with adult Cheryl who's in denial about... So you're actually... Cheryl is in denial about her father's death. So you're not actually playing as the dude the whole time. In the counselling sessions at the start, where it all kicks off, you're actually Cheryl, your daughter, reimagining trying to like deny that her father's dead. Yeah, right. And he's still looking for her, which is really fucked up. There's four variations, depending on your actions as Harry, that change the way the, the last bit of footage is shown. There's a bit of footage on Cheryl's video camera that gets played. And at the end of it... Depending on what you do. So in Love Lost, Harry, the father, packs all of his luggage into a car, tells Cheryl to blame herself for her parents separate... Not to blame herself for... Sorry, not to blame herself. That got really fucking hurtful for a moment there. (laughs) Tells Cheryl not to blame herself for uh, her parents' separation and then goes away. In Drunk Dad, 
Harry yells at Cheryl. This is probably where it goes back to the more hurtful one. Demands a beer and then blames his drinking on his family. In Sleeves and Sirens, um, Harry actually ends up flirting with Lisa and Michelle. Dahlia verbally abuses Harry and slaps him. And then there's one last joke ending, which is in UFO. Cheryl tells Dr. Kaufman that she, be- she believes Harry was kidnapped by aliens and they're on a spaceship. And then it turns out that Dr. Kaufman, who's a therapist, is actually an alien. Yeah, right. That's so funny. Similar to the dog ending. Bring- yeah, well, yeah. So, so uh, multiple endings are apparently a uh, common theme throughout the whole series. Apparently, with coming to the realization, which often, I mean, also when it's featuring some, the realization often depends on in game actions performed by you, the player. Apparently, in all but two series in the game series, or two games in the series, one of the endings is a joke ending, in which the main protagonist comes into contact with unidentified flying objects. So, apparently, nearly all but two of the games have an ending where it's aliens. It's like, aliens. Yeah. <laughs> that guy. I think, uh, I think we have to put that meme up, yeah. Yeah. That History Channel that. dude. The History Channel dude. Aliens. Aliens. But overall, as a series, it's an amazing series. I haven't played as many games in it as I'd like to. I've only played one, two, and Shattered Memories. But there's obviously, you know, there's... there's so I'll go through them. So there's Silent Hill, Silent Hill 2. I'm not including Play Novel. Fuck that. Silent Hill 3, Silent Hill 4, The Room. Uh, which is one of the games that does not have a joke ending. Silent Hill mobile game. Uh, Silent Hill The Arcade. Silent Hill Origins. Silent Hill Orphan. I'm not going to keep saying Silent Hill. <laughs> the Escape. Orphan 2, Homecoming, Shattered Memories, Orphan 3, Downpour, HD Collection, Book of Memories, and then PT. Personal trainer. Yeah, man. Uh, PT is actually... Oh, this is the um, fabled first-person psychological horror video game that was made by Kojima Productions and published by Konami. So, the people that make the Medigree series. And it was basically a free download that people could play and, and play through and it got rave reviews everyone was loving it really excited for it to come out then there was a falling out between the uh let's have a look and so apparently there was a joke ending in downpour as well um however the joke ending is apparently a surprise party for the player featuring characters from previous installments from the franchise yes yeah, so it's basically just a, a pretty much a demo version of a game that never actually got fully fleshed out so it was, yeah, after the cancellation of uh, Silent Hills, it was announced that PT would be removed from the PlayStation Network. And it's just basically, it's like it's like the flappy bird of yeah, right. console games. Yeah. It's just gone. Just gone. It's gone. Yeah, right. Now, so, so there's three thematic elements uh, that are narratives behind all Silent Hill games. Right. So the theme that, one, the main protagonist is a, a sort of everyman, so, you know, jack of all trades or whatever, something like that. Uh, the exception being Homecoming, uh, where the protagonist is more portrayed as a soldier and the gameplay is pretty much as provides you with gameplay to reflect that. Mm-hmm. And that they're either they're on a quest in search of a missing loved one or uh, they've been presented in a situation where they've just apparently stumbled upon the town by accident but are actually being summoned by a spiritual force within the town. There you go. There's actually two spin-off movies as well. Two? There was... So the film adaptation of the first game in the series, Silent Hill, that was released in 2006. It was adapted and directed by a French film director and producer and writer Christophe Gans, because um, he was a huge fan of the series. There was also a second uh, film adaptation, Silent Hill Revelation, and that's based on Silent Hill 3. 
that came out in 2012. But first one had mixed reviews. Second one was had pretty much all negative reviews. Did not did not Rough. rate very well. Again, we've touched on it a million times. Video game movies are rarely good. Yeah, look, it's yeah. Don't very often see a good video game movie adaptation at all. Speaking of that, we're actually going to go watch uh, Sonic when it comes out. It's true. Um, yeah, that's going to be um, interesting. I'm not, not going to lie. I don't have high hopes for that movie. I'm going in with very low expectations. It, yeah, exactly. I do not think um, it's going to be very good. However... Um, I think the reason I'm more so want to say is because of the dedication that they have thrown behind it with actually going through all the efforts to throw millions of dollars at redesigning the character after receiving such negative reviews from the initial trailer. True. The character does look a lot better now. Though. Oh, fucking oath it does. Like, night and day. And I'm a little bit interested to see Jim Carrey playing Dr. Robotnik. That will also be good. Hmm. And it's actually unusual to see him now without the beard because he's not really got the massive hobo beard. It's true, he usually does. But no, I'm, I'm interested. Definitely the new tra- latest trailer that I've seen for it coming out where Sonic actually does start off in wherever the fuck Sonic's from. Um, I'm assuming Green Hills, because that's where it depicts and he runs through a ring and all of a sudden is in our realm. Yeah. Kind of is consistent, I guess, with previous, uh, I think, Sonic X, the anime-style cartoon that was made, I think, late, no, oh, early 2000s. Was my which is pretty much what happens to him, except he runs into a, a child rather than a police officer, which apparently he's going to run into based off the trailer. Uh, so I'm a little bit interested to see. I haven't, seen, I haven't seen that trailer yet. So does it, when he's in Green Hills, is that like 8-bit or is it? No, it's not 8-bit at all. No, so, but it's very obviously not this world. Right. Yeah. And he like runs, runs off one of those ramps and goes through a massive large ring and ends up on a highway or something or in a field. Putting in 8-bit would have made it heaps better. Yeah. Potentially, but no, I'm uh, I'm, I'm interested. I'm definitely interested. I love Sonic. I had, a, I had the I had a Mega Drive. I played a lot of Sonic as a child growing up. That was one of the first games that I remember playing um, on, on a games console. Uh, so I'm, and I've always been a fan of Sonic, even the uh, 1990s cartoon series. It was interesting. Yeah, I've always been a fan of Sonic as well. Wasn't a fan of Sonic Unleashed. Did you ever play that? Potentially. Is that the one? It's got like Shadow and everything in it. It was a bit weird. No, this one was like you a normal Sonic, and then you can get this thing every now and again where you become like this massive like Hulk Sonic. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I I don't think I played it. All that it reminds me of um like Jack to and on where if you get enough what eco you can turn into like Dark Jack. Yeah. Mm. Back to Silent Hill. Not a great movie series, but a very good video game series. Yeah, if you like bloody playing games, they're gonna make you fucking shit yourself. Go for it. I will say, this has, this scared me. I'm one of those people that, oh, that I don't watch a lot of horror movies now because they don't scare me. Like, I don't see the point of them. Oh, I've never I've never really liked the horror movie genre. Just one because, yeah, sure, like I made jump. I made the jump scares things like that. And sure, that'll make me jump and whatever else. But fuck me, they're predictable. Yeah. And I just can't, I just, yeah. Like, I don't want a good thriller, like something that actually makes me think and I can't pick the ending. Yeah. But in regards to an actual straight up horror film... I've never really enjoyed them because one, they try and throw in like a bit of a twist or an ending, something like that. Super predictable though. It's usually very predictable and it's just, it's more jump scare than anything else. I think only one of the more, not even the more recent uh, horror movies that I've watched that actually fucking did a good job. Um, oh, fuck, what was it now? <sighs> I wish I could remember the name of it. I don't think, 
thinking Insomnia or something like that, but I think that's it. Something very similar to that. Insomnia is not really a horror movie. Insomnia is a, like a thriller with Al Pacino and Yeah, so definitely Williams. not that then. Um, oh, I wish I could remember the name of it right now. Insomnia um, is a great thriller. Oh, no, hang on. Let I was me... a fan of the, of the Saw series. Yeah, see, and like, no, those those sort of films, they're just like that. that there's nothing scary in that for me, and I've, I've got no... Um, they weren't scary, Interesting. but I, yeah, I found like, them a bit more realistic in the sense that, like, there could be someone out there doing that kind of fucked up shit. Yeah, okay, well, that's fucking scary. That's more scary than the movie. Yeah. I've got a mate who just doesn't watch any of them, especially ones like Saw and stuff. He's like, he's like, no, because it's fucked up, can't see out there doing that shit, and I don't want to think about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think, I've never thought of them like that, just, they just don't grab me there's nothing there my actual that- point that i was making with that though is that unlike horror movies i like playing silent hill because i could actually lose myself in it because i'm the one playing through it mm. and it does scare the fuck out of you ah uh, insidious insidious right. yeah so that is i think there's uh, how many films are there in that series right now i think there's about three or four um and that one does not have a predictable ending and one of our close friends would probably hate the fact that we're shitting on horror movies right now because she's a big fan of them. She is. Uh, but Insidious, definitely. Um, yeah. Didn't see the ending coming. And I guess in the cases with most horror movies as well, kind of get a bit of closure or something at the end. Yeah. In regards to what was happening and what was going on. Nah. Nothing. N- no. It's, yeah, you think, oh yeah, they've wrapped it up. These people are all good now. Then very last scene proves that you, that is very much not the case um, which was good interesting yeah no it was good it was good I was like oh yeah they're all good it's all G nutless people are still fucked <laughs> I think the only other movie where I've seen something that and this one I think it was meant to be a horror movie but it turned into more of a comedy it was uh, Satan's Little Helper I do remember that one have I mentioned it before I think so yeah hmm. where it's like this little kid who Goes out with his sister's boyfriend for Halloween or on Halloween to go get his um, Halloween costume, and a serial killer kills the boyfriend whilst they're in the costume store, and the little boy just assumes that it's still the boyfriend dressed up in a costume, when it's actually now this serial killer, and ends up going on a fucking rampage with this serial killer, not realizing for the longest time that the people he's killing are actually really dying. He just thinks that they're pranks and things like that. That's pretty really funny. It is until the kid's there and he's just like, oh, he says something. He's like, yeah, come on, kill my dad. And he does. And he just fucking bursts out of this fucking door and just fucking stabs a knife and fucking disembowels his dad. And the kid at this point realizes that it's all real. Probably not the brightest kid, but okay. And he's just like, whoa. And there's a scene where, like, they, they go around and he's like, Dorian goes to this old lady's house. And these kids, he's like, been, he gets pretty heavily bullied. And, um, they rock up and they're giving him shit and stuff. And then this killer's there. He's just fucking like hung this fucking old lady. And his fucking chucks her over the balcony. And the other kids like freak the fuck out. And just like get the fuck out of there quick smart. He's like, ah, you guys think it's real. And you're like, whoa. Okay. Oh, that kid sounds like a dumbass. Yeah, well, whoops. I think, uh, I think it's come to that time where we uh, do the old wrap up. And... How rapidy do. Rapidy do. And we'll... Give everything a bit of a... Of a, a oh, we've got to do the rating, rating. now. Ooh. All right, then. Uh, I guess we should go in order we order we did them in. Yeah. Hmm. I'll say better off Ted. Better off Ted. So, I'll give better off Ted a solid... What's up between three and a half and four? Hmm. Three and three quarters, lab rats out of five. Yeah, right. I'm actually going to give it four and a half. Four and a half? 
Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, four and a half, definitely. It's it's solid. It is a very solid show. I haven't watched enough of it yet, though. I still have to go. I'm gonna have to just go back and I'm gonna watch all of it from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Catch up where I was from in season one and watch the rest of it all the way mm-hmm. through, and and go from there. Definitely a solid show. No, I would definitely give it four and a half. Uh, the only thing I like criticism either is that there isn't enough of it. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I guess that means moving on to Night at the Roxbury. Um, I'm going to give that four disco balls out of five. Four disco balls. Yeah. I'm going to use a different rating system to yourself. Oh, okay. All I'm right, then. I'm going to give it two gold chains out of five. Wow, rough. 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 And then um, I'm going to let you go sign here. I really have not played enough of the game series, uh, I think, to fairly... Give, give it a, a rating. rating. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to give Silent Hill four severed heads out of five. Four severed heads out of five. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I think it's a really good rating system for a horror game. That's that's pretty good. Are there many severed heads in the series? I imagine there would be. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go. Let's, let's consult the hats. Consult the hats. All right. What do you got there? Looks like I've got the movie hat. Mm-hmm. And we've got Hot Rod. Andy Sandberg. Yeah, right. I don't mind a bit of Hot Rod. That is a great film. It is pissed. That actually is. That is a very funny got film. Not just Andy Samberg, but Bill Hader. True. Hilarious. And Bill Hader's actually very good in that. Yes. Danny McBride. And um, I don't even know who the actor's name is who plays the little brother, but he's one third of Lonely Island. Uh, all right. What else? And I've got uh, here, must be the games that I've got. Mate, going back to your favourite, the old Nintendo 64 classic, GoldenEye. That is an absolute fucking classic first-person shooter. It's a, that actually is. Is that released on any other console? It wasn't, was it? No, they did a review, a rebooted version of it later on on PlayStation, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, right. But okay. Like a, Interesting. Yeah, and I, that would hopefully mean I've got the TV hat. No, I can only hope. And we've got Parks and Rec. Parks Recreation. Parks oh, Recreation. Now that is a banging TV series. Oh, mate. That did not get cancelled anywhere near its end. Like that was fucking no. good. And the end of that one was absolute gold. It actually was. That was a yeah, solid series. Solid ending. Yeah. Start to finish. Yep. So I'm actually really excited for, for the next episode. That's going to be that's gonna be there's a lot of good stuff in that. There's there a lot is, of good content. It's all rise. It's all rise. All rise, all rise, all rise. Yeah, right, settle down. Uh <laughs> But if you haven't already, like and follow us on all the socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Hit us up with your suggestions. We'd love to hear from you any way possible. All the ways. Write us a letter. I don't know who you're going to send it to or where, but Write us a just letter, do it. scan it into your computer, and then send it through as an email. Oh, yeah. Do it. Cotterpopularity at gmail.com. Bam. Uh, you know, slide in our DMs. Get in there and, you know, send us a message. We want, we'd want. we love some feedback. Our last suggested episode, the first suggested episode we did was the a lot of fun <laughs> first and last first and last currently at the mo- currently till we get some more we hope it's not the last no we'd love to get some more suggestions uh, and again give us feedback wherever you can but hope you enjoyed the episode that's it from us cop that